This emergency breaking news edition of About Them Cowboys is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Cowboys ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Well, GameTime is a new app that tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. GameTime also offers the best concert and theater tickets around. So, if you don't like sports all the time, GameTime still has you covered. And paying on GameTime is super simple. With an easy two-tap process right in the app, getting the best deals on tickets could not be easier. In fact, more than 12 million fans have already downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So head over to the App Store or Google Play Store and download GameTime and score some awesome deals on last-minute tickets. How about them Cowboys? Indeed. Well, less than eight hours after we had our reckless hypothetical discussion, Trader Jerry goes out and does the least reckless thing possible and sends a seventh slash sixth round pick to the Patriots in exchange for three-time Pro Bowl defensive end Michael Bennett. Now on his fifth team and sixth stop in the NFL, he'll join Marinelli's Rushman as the boys look to bolster the Hot Boys for the final stretch of the season. Welcome in to this breaking news edition of About Them Cowboys. Kent Garrison here, the Ed Harkin of the show, as I assemble our Cowboys action news team to react to it all. Father John Mashota and Kevin KT Turner. And Kevin, I gotta ask, do you think uh, Steven had to get Jason Witten's permission for this one because of the whole Marty B situation? Thank you, Ed. I mean, Kent. Um, you know, it's very, uh, it's very interesting. If, if there was a, I just thought there was one thing the Cowboys were just not ever going to do, and that was going to bring in someone who might be controversial. And you throw in a a very strange history with Marty B. And now Marty B. Though and Michael, it's very interesting. They've always, they've never like uh, done the whole bit of like. Really wanted to show off that they were brothers. I mean, sure, you would have features every now and then, you know, maybe on a pregame show. But I always felt like they really wanted to separate themselves and be like, hey, look, we're more than just brothers. I do my own thing. And that's the vibe I've always got from them. And I don't know, look, again, know Marty way, way better than I know Michael Bennett because uh, at this point I don't know Michael Bennett at all. Um, but from knowing Marty B from being here and interviewing him, you know, I, even after he was out of the NFL, he would always kind of uh, take jabs, not only take jabs or take shots, but always even make little little jokes about how Michael's still in the NFL. You know, like, oh yeah, Michael talks a big game, but he's still uh, he's still in there. Um, you know, pro- he wants to protest on these things, but he's still playing, isn't he? You know, that type of thing. I always thought that was kind of interesting, and yeah, you know. Can't be can't be mad about that trade though. Seventh rounder for Michael Bennett could turn into a sixth, but man, he is he is going to be the Tyrone Crawford role that this team needed. I I love this trade. Yeah, I I love it from the let's just start off, and I'm going to be selfish from the locker room standpoint. I I love uh, it'll be interesting to add him uh, to this dynamic because he is clearly uh, doesn't have a problem speaking his mind as you even saw in you know in New England. Um, I just got done writing a story of why this deal got done and, and how it helps the Cowboys. And when I was doing that, I went back and watched his last interview 
uh, with Patriots reporters. And this is after he served his one game suspension after uh, he had some disagreements with their defensive line coach, Brett Bielema. Um, and uh, yeah, he doesn't hold back at all. Like, I mean, he really tells you like it is, which um, is, is pretty refreshing. And then especially with the fact that you do that in the Patriots locker room where you really don't generally get a lot of interesting comments like that out of. Um, and so, I mean, he just, Basically, what he was saying is he didn't, you know, they were asking him, like, you know, like, what he took away from the expen- uh, suspension, and he was basically like, he didn't learn anything from it. I mean, he lost, like, a game check, you know, it's like, I don't know, whatever, and he's an established guy. Um, I know we're going to touch on several different to- topics about this, but just in doing research for, for the story I just wrote, one of the things I found that was fascinating was that, and I was, I don't know, I almost wanted to double check this, but he tied a career high for himself last year with 30 QB hits. He had nine sacks, 30 QB hits. I was just like, man, he was still <laughs> doing work last year. And even this year, you know, he had he has two and a half sacks this year. And, and his playing time just has continued to go down. He was like in the mid-30s snaps in defensive snaps in week one. And each week it's gone down. And in week six, he was only out there for, I think, 10 or 11. And so you could tell that things weren't going in the way that he wanted to or the team wanted to now. I do. I do think him. The way he'll fit on this defense is a lot better than than what he was doing with the Patriots. I feel like for him individually, because like you mentioned, the the Tyrone Crawford role. I think that's exactly what he fills. Where it's he gets in that rotation behind Quinn and Lawrence um, at end, and then on third downs you can put in. Uh, you know, if it's third and long passing situations, you can basically have your defensive line being you know Robert Quinn, Michael Bennett, Malik Collins and Demarcus Lawrence. And, and I think that's where you really get a chance to, to see them flourish. And then, and I mean, we just saw in that last game against the Eagles, how big those turnovers are. And if you can get pressure on the quarterback and get turnovers, uh, what it can do for this team. And so, you know, I just, I, I don't think that there's very much risk in it because you don't really lose much. If you let him go, uh, there's yeah. not really much salary tied to it. And the draft pick, like you said, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a seventh round pick and it could it could be up to a sixth round pick at the very most. And so the key to this whole thing, basically, I'll wrap it up instead of just running on and on here. I'll let you go back to this, KT. But the biggest, the key part of all this is the Chris Richard part. And that is that when he was the D.C. in Seattle, those were Michael Bennett's best years. Those were the three years that he made the Pro Bowl. Where during, I mean, it matched up perfectly with Richard. No way this deal gets done without a major influence from Chris Richard. You know, it's interesting, though. Like, if you're Michael Bennett and you got paid um, – and then you have contract incentives built in and they're kind of cutting down on your snap counts and you think you might be producing a little more than the guys ahead of him. Um, Dietrich Wise being one of those guys, the the brother of Daniel Wise, who's with the Cowboys. And you're sitting there going, well, I signed this deal and you gave me all these incentives and you kind of feel like you're getting the runaround. That's what I'm kind of wondering is if he's feeling that way. If he's getting, you know, classic Patriots find a loophole you know, play a little dirty here, you know. That's what I wonder. If you look at the snap counts for him, 37 in week one, 25 in week two, 19 in week three, 24 in week four, 14 in week five, 11 in week six. Now, it may be a case of Belichick going, look, he's just not really a great fit for our defense. And they play a lot of 3-4 in New England. You know, here he will play 4-3, which is what he's always been built for, to be that uh, weak side defensive end. I mean, the strong side defensive end and then also come in and play the three technique when needed. So from that standpoint, I think it's a better fit here than it was in New England, in my estimation. Um, You know, another thing about, you know, Michael Bennett, 
this is very it's very easy if you look at his contract that has you know money on it for next year i mean it's very easy for the cowboys to get out of it in fact i don't think it's going to cost them anything at all um have you confirmed that uh, john i think they can get out of it very easily my understanding i'm just kind of messing around on overthecap.com he signed for a base salary of seven million next year but if the cowboys it's but there's like no dead cap money on that, I believe. That, I, that's what I've heard. That there's that it, you can just get out of it. So basically, you wouldn't have anything left over where you're paying down the line if you were to cut ties with him. This is what the, all all interesting with the Cowboys hand, how to handle this because you're not going to be able to get, trade him again. He's going to be 35 next year. You know what? A lot of times you see teams do is they say if it's if a guy's a free agent. They'll just let him go and get a comp pick back. You know, the Cowboys won't be able to do that because he does have that other year on his contract. But there's no dead cap money because of, you know, the what what's left on that contract structure for next year. He doesn't have to be a part of your team next year. So this is kind of one of those things where you go, we'll see if this works or see if it doesn't work. Um, I also wonder, and this is maybe I'm looking way too far ahead here, John. So we, we can talk about a lot of things about how he helps the team now. But I do want to get this out there. It'll be interesting to see how what they do with Tyron Crawford next year because Tyron Crawford's a guy that they could probably cut, and uh, it would make a lot of sense just because of his hips and his age. And but I also think he's such a great locker room guy. You know, Tyron Crawford to me is a perfect Sean Lee type player, um, where you could probably give him that deal. You know, sign him to a very s- small deal, team friendly discount, and I think he might consider staying. I mean, he'll be thirty one. And that's something that I think is uh, – I don't know if Michael Bennett affects that or not, but, I mean, this this is what he's been acquired for. He's been acquired to fill that, that hole that Tyrone Crawford is now leaving a void in being hurt. Yeah, there's no question about that. If Tyrone Crawford is able to play through that hip injury and doesn't need the surgery, that, you know, this deal isn't made. But because of that, uh, they felt like they were pretty thin there on the defensive line. And, and you know, as I wrote going into this week – it was really how are they going to improve the the run defense? So when you hear that you know they're looking at defensive linemen, you're thinking they're going to get some type of a run stopper like we talked about on the last show. That's not really where Michael Bennett helps you, um, but it was clearly that fill that we need somebody to fill the Tyrone Crawford role. We're not giving up a ton. Let's make this move. Um, the only other thing I, I do want to say is that so the other side of the argument of of why there should be concern um, would be the fact of you look at the teams that he's been with now over this last less than two years. And these are pretty well-run organizations, whether you talk about Philly, Seattle, New England, that have all moved on from him. And so I don't, even the biggest Michael Bennett fan, I don't know how you don't look at that and think, that's kind of raises a red flag there that nobody wanted to keep him. And he's still uh, producing when he's out there. Um, So, hey, they've clearly shown that they're willing to go out of the way to add a piece that they think can, you know, take them to that next step. And I really feel like, you know, they feel that this is a Super Bowl type contending team. And if they don't have that type of a pass rush, uh, you know, maybe the turnovers aren't going to be there. And without those turnovers, they probably feel like they can't make that serious playoff run that they're capable of. And so that's why you make, you know, a move like this. You know, nine sacks last year, eight and a half sacks the year before that. Uh, I have uh, John. You said thirty. I have twenty nine QB hits in the number okay. I'm seeing. But you know, who they can, that's a weird yeah. I was on Pro Football Reference. I don't know if um, that's the one you go off of. That's the one. That's fine. Hey, um, hey, what did you get? Did you go on there or no? 
Because I got to ask you a question about this. This is funny. No, no, I'm I'm looking over the cap to kind okay. of look at money and stuff hey, like that. So, pro football reference, uh, they always have like these, like next to the player's name, they'll have like player nickname, and I don't know. Oh, that, yeah, not of them are really that accurate, but for for him, it says his is Black Santa. So I, I don't know. That, <laughs> Wasn't Marty's know like the that. astronaut ninja or something like that? Something. What? <laughs> But with that being said, let me just let me just <laughs> let me add this. this. This has to be added in there for context. Santa. Okay? So we always joke around. Me and David Hellman joke around about this sometimes. So when I've looked that up before, because I was like, oh, let's see, like the Cowboys, what their nicknames are. <laughs> Dak Prescott, the Fortress. I've literally never heard anybody ever call him the Fortress. Like <laughs> no what? one's even said it. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't That's know so it was because he's he's got a bigger build or something. Like that. But I'm telling you, ever <laughs> since his rookie year. Like, this has been on Pro Football Reference because they are a great place to go to for stats and, and, and things like that, especially game logs and, like, you know, uh, you know, split stats against, you know, how guys have done against their teams. And this is always on here. I always see it. I'll be like, it says, Rain Dakota Prescott, the fortress. I'm like, nobody calls him okay. the fortress. So. I would like to say, so <laughs> we're going to do another podcast uh, next week. Okay. Uh, early next week. We need to pull up some of these best ones and try yeah, to decide John, the that's player. Your homework assignment. Okay, that needs to be a game show, Kevin, on here. We need to <laughs> Absolutely. pull up the nicknames and just try to decide who Pro Football References is talking about with the nickname. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good... Okay, I'll do that. I'll come up with okay. them and then I, we'll ask you to guess who the player is. I would have never guessed that Dak was the Fortress. That makes absolutely <laughs> no sense whatsoever. Okay, so there's your homework assignment, John. Okay. Aside from all the other work that you're doing... No, you I handle like that. You take care of the nicknames. Kent and I will come up with the fun categories for the game okay. show. Um, you know, it's interesting. A, a guy that we talked about on the podcast that we recorded this morning, um, it, it was – he comes up, I guess, a lot at trade deadline time now that he's basically a one-year deal type player is Sue. I was looking at some numbers, and again, I am uh, very, very, very skeptical of pro football focus. I want everyone to know that. I'm very skeptical of pro football focus sometimes. Okay, but I do think they're a good measuring stick sometimes as well. Two and a half sacks for Michael Bennett is what they kind of have him at. Um, if you take a look at some of the guys in that area, Geno Atkins, three sacks. He came up more sacks than Dominican Sue. All right, and that's a guy everyone was kind of talking about. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about pressures, total pressures, ten pressures so far uh, from Michael Bennett. That's going to be. Uh, just two fewer pressures than Dominican Sue. So, like, maybe the numbers add up and maybe it's a better fit than Sue. And I don't think we were kind of, like, locking in on defensive tackles. Maybe it's a better fit when you look at it because uh, – and also Shelby Harris is a guy I think I brought up on the podcast today as well. 13 pressures, just three more than Michael Bennett. The It may be a better fit because he can't play defensive end – and they are just one Robert Quinn, Demarcus Lawrence injury from a defensive end crisis. So the fact that he could do both, it might be a better fit than the Gerald McCoy or the Dominican Sue, those types of guys that we've been talking about. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up too, because even though that Demarcus Lawrence isn't on the injury report every week, he's dealing with multiple, you know, bumps and bruises, things that have, have limited him this year. Um, and then you just have this past week with the hip issue with Robert Quinn. And so that that's a good point there as well that 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 provides you some really good insurance at that position because as we know from watching this team over the years if they don't have that pass rush from the front four they're not doing much at all. So yeah. um 
one other thing I wanted to point out too when I think of Michael Bennett, <laughs> um, his shoulder pads might be smaller than Brett Maher's. So get so ready for weird. that, folks. It is yeah, so weird. No, it's very, it makes me uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> because you, you're a big guy, you know, and he's got the tiny pads. It's like, who chose to do this? It just it makes me feel feel weird. You know, also, while I got it pulled up, man, so just talking about just, you know, pressures, and we talk about pressures a lot, and how sometimes sacks can sometimes be a kind of a weird stat because there's a lot that goes into this, that, you know, finishing the job. Your totals at pressure, for pressures according to PFF, Calais Campbell, Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox, Quentin Jefferson of Seattle. Okay, we're all good there. Kenny Clark of the Packers. And then 27, Geno Atkins right there. Okay, so tied for fourth. Matt Iadonis of Washington there with 25. Gerald McCoy, 25 pressures of the Panthers. And then next on the list, coming in the top 10 with 23 pressures, Malik Collins. So this is is it how do you how do you feel that will utilize Michael Bennett from the get-go? Still be Antoine Woods and Malik Collins on the interior, Quinn and Tank, and then he's kind of your rotational defensive end. Or yep. do you think they'll play him quite a bit inside? I think he's going to be the rotational defensive end. And I mean, and now this is being, you know, talking to Jason Garrett today. He said that, you know, Robert Quinn is fine, expects him him and Leighton Vanderesh to return uh, to practice next week, that there's nothing, no lingering effects from the injuries they suffered against Philadelphia. But if those things with Robert Quinn or Demarcus Lawrence linger, then I think that you see him get that more playing time at end. Um, but right now, I think he's he's a backup rotational guy to where you see the major- like really I think his snaps are going to be very similar to what Tyrone Crawford was getting I mean they wanted more out of Crawford don't get me wrong it's just the hip issue was just not getting any better and so um, I think what you see him doing is he plays and uh, b- behind Robert Quinn or or Demarcus Lawrence depending on whatever you know the situation is and then on, on the third downs I think that's where you see his immediate impact right away just because I think that they're going to want him out there you know with Malik Quinn and, and Lawrence uh, and then, I mean, that's really when you want him the most. That's really when you need to get those those pressures uh, on those third and long situations. And so, I think that that if you if you're going to follow a blueprint, I think it's got to be what you typically saw from Tyron Crawford. Maybe maybe you have to go back to Week One, where I think that was Crawford's most snaps, and kind of go off of that. But I just don't see how if if Lawrence and Quinn are doing what they've been doing, I don't see why you're you know taking them off the field to give. Michael Bennett extra snaps, you know, if they, you know, you still, yeah. it's not like any of these defensive ends play the entire game. They're not like the safeties and the DBs where they're playing all the snaps. They, they want the rotation. So there'll be snaps. There'll be, and believe me, if he's, if his snaps kept going down the way they did in new England, he, he's going to be happy to get anything. If it is just 25 or 20, whatever in a game. Um, but as long as, as Lawrence and, and Robert Quinn are healthy, those are going to be the guys. You know, you look at that on third down, uh, bump Malik Collins inside to the one technique. Michael Bennett would move down to the three. Quinn and Tank, dudes, that's that's really good. I mean, we're looking at San Francisco be super do- dominant in the NFC. And again, still a lot to see with that team. But what kind of what kind of impact the, do you think that it's going to have on Jalen? Just because I felt like he they were trying to blitz him a little bit more, make him a little bit more of a pass rusher. Do you, you think this addition might mean that uh, there's a little bit less of that, and they're going to lean even more on the typical Rod Marinelli? Hey, let's get our our pass rush is going to come from the front four almost like, solely. 
historically, that's a great question. Like historically, you would think that would probably affect Jalen in a negative way in terms of rushing. Like you'd think he'd probably not do that as much, but maybe he can hide it a little more. You know, they talked about it so much. They showed it so much early in the season. Gave teams probably a little bit of a chance to adjust to him as a rusher, too. I would like to see them blitz a little bit more than they have been. And I know that's a gamble thing, you know. And I think, you know, sometimes it feels like their MO has been over the years to just kind of sit back, cover them up. Chris Richard, a, a cover guy in his own right, you know. You know, Rod Marinelli thinking about how he loves the defensive lineman. The way those guys probably think is, hey, my guys can cover it up. Or, hey, my guys can get to the passer. So, you know, we'll, we'll be fine not blitzing. But I would like to see them blitz a little bit more. And I know that's a matchup-driven thing. And, and you have all kinds of analytics and numbers based on the quarterback you're playing that week. But there are so many things you can do in sending Jalen on that blitz or what we saw with Jordan Lewis last week. I mean, to me, there was a way, 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 way uh, – a huge, uh, I guess a huge over-exaggeration of how bad this defense is because they're not bad. They're top 10 defense in this league still in a lot of metrics. And this just makes them way more dangerous because the Tyrone Crawford thing I thought was huge, man. I, I think it was we never really got him at 100%. And it's never sexy with Tyrone Crawford, but a lot of the things he does, you know, are missed. The way he can push the pocket and things like that. You know, Michael Bennett – Rushing from the inside will be able to push the pocket with his quickness. He's a, he's able to do that, and he'll be able to win on the edge as well. And it's also great insurance if anything were to happen to Tank. And we know Tank's been beaten up, and we know Robert Quinn, you know, got hurt a little bit last week, but I think he's fine. But like, it's a really good insurance policy for what a seventh rounder that could turn into a sixth, and he was unhappy and in a bad fit in New England, like. It makes a lot of sense. I think that's the overarching confusing thing about this is just that it feels like something Jason Garrett wouldn't be on board with. <laughs> but everything else, I'm, I'm I'm kind of applauding them because I really didn't want the Cowboys to sit on their hands and let the trade deadline pass without doing something as long as everyone else was going to make improvements. Like you, We talked about it, Manny Sanders. San Francisco got aggressive. Giving up a third and a fourth for Emmanuel Sanders, that may not work out. There's rumors that Josh Gordon, who has been placed on IR in New England, is going to be coveted by Seattle. Man, that would make that Seattle team a lot more dangerous with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Josh Gordon if that were to happen. So if these other teams in the wide-open NFC are making moves to get better, then you should do the same. And, I, and I'm not saying like overreact to it, but at this price? I mean, dude, he is, he is still yeah. a good player. Um, I went back just before we started. I know I'm on a long tangent here, John, but go, uh, go, go. I, I went back and, and, uh, I pulled up on Game Pass just a couple games. I went to the game log and tracked down his sacks and he doesn't look like he's, he's not, he looks like the same Michael Bennett we've seen the last two years. Like I wouldn't, I wasn't watching him and going, Hey, there's a 35 year old. Well, he's 34, I guess. I wouldn't go in. Here's a 34 year old. He still looks like he's got some juice and things like that. So I, I'm all on board, man. I, I I love the move. The other thing I was going to mention real quick when you were talking about the injuries too, uh, we also got to factor in Dorrance Armstrong. He had that neck injury and then he was inactive last week. So it could be one of those things they look down the depth chart too and are like, you know, we got a lot of guys nicked up here. And then what if we lose multiple guys here? You know, we like what we're getting from Kerry Hyder, but I don't know that they necessarily want Kerry Hyder playing the entire game. So it could be one of those things too where they looked at the rest of the position and were like, we got we to gotta do something here. And it just seems like this – this move is very 
I just feel like it's very low risk because of that you can cut ties. I mean, really, if 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 it gets out of control in the locker room or something happens where you know he's arguing with a coach or something similar, whatever happened with Brett Bielema, I don't know. Obviously, I wasn't there, and I don't know many people that were. But if something like that was happening, you can you can cut ties with them, and you really don't lose out on very much. So yeah. um, I think it makes a lot of and sense. The, and the way that this team is drafted in the sixth and seventh round over the you know in the Will McClay era. They basically treat those guys like camp tryouts anyway, you know. Um, I mean, none of the guys, I think Noah Brown is still around. You know, Darius Jackson's been in and out of the league, but he was a six-round guy. You know, Jeff Swaim is no longer here. Terrence Mitchell has bounced around the NFL. But, I mean, that's going back to, like, 2013 there. And uh, none of these guys are still around. So, yeah, you're you're getting a guy that can help you now, and you're basically not giving up really anything if, it, uh, if the pass is any indication. Couldn't be more impressed with the work of Steven Jones there, man. That's a good job. Or Will McClare, whoever got this thing done. Yeah. You know, that's a great job. And to get it done. Cause Are you I, surprised, KKT, just just that they got him for a seventh? Like that New England was yeah. willing to give him up for that cheap? Yeah, the price surprised yeah, that's, me, that's, quite frankly. That shocked me a little bit. And maybe they were just in the boat of, hey, let's get rid of this guy. You yeah. Know? And it, John, talk a little bit about been, that. It, talk it, a little bit about I was going to say, it might have been worse. <laughs> it might have been worse in New England than we even yeah. know. You know, that might have, for them to suspend him a game like that for the co- conduct detrimental to the team type stuff like that in the middle of the year, especially when everything's rolling pretty well for that team and then willing to cut bait. I, I think that there maybe there's a little bit more pushback than just, hey, you know, one day he came in and uh, him and Brett had a little disagreement and they were like, you're not playing this week. Like at maybe that there's, you know, something more building there. And so that they felt like, hey, if we can get anything, let's let's try and get whatever we can. And it may not have been a fit, man. I mean, the three, four for him is not what he does, you know, and I know they they move guys around all the time in, in New England. But you know this is this is the defense that he's shown for years that he can play in. So I'm I'm a I'm thrilled. You know, and also do if he felt like he was getting wronged because of a contract that he signed and the incentives that he wasn't going to hit. If that happened, and that's that's my that was my natural instinct was to get really good point. I wonder if that's why he's not playing. Now they may just say, hey, we're moving on with these younger guys and and whatever. It might have been that type of thing, but th- that was one of the first things I thought of. Because guys like him at that point in their career are signing short-term, high-incentive-laden deals. And that's the first thing I thought of is classic Patriots loophole move right here, right? Isn't it like, hey, either way, like the, the, we knew the Patriots were going to do something, right? After they gave up a second to get Sanu, they were at least going to get a pick back somehow. Like, they love getting collecting picks no matter how. So, But the price of that, man, I, I really thought we were talking about a fourth-rounder, maybe a fifth if you were lucky. I, I thought it would take like a fourth to get him because there's still a year attached to it if you want him, and he's good, and he's still got a little juice. So, man, I and, and I'm not saying like this makes me change uh, how I feel about the Cowboys. I still think they're good. You know, I think the Cowboys can be a dangerous team, but uh, it, it's it makes you feel so much better because defensive line was the biggest question mark on this team by far, and then for you to go address it, nice. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. And, and I saw that, John, you've just uh, released your article. I just saw you tweet it, so I'm going to retweet <laughs> that as well. Do a little multitasking over here. This is a, this is a high-character yeah. team, though. I mean, on the defense, there's oh, a yeah. lot of leaders on this team. So I do think, you know, the most reckless guy on that defense is probably 
Demarcus Lawrence, but the way he plays, he's basically the leader of that defense, you know? Um, and so I think they can handle a guy like Michael Bennett coming in, you know, antics and all. No, and as and soon as you said it, all I thought of is that's exactly what we're going to hear from Jason Garrett when we talk to him next time at the podium, that that's what he's going to say. He's right in this case. How, <laughs> it's not always Yeah, like that. It's like, right, no, yeah, for sure. But I just, I mean, you know, covering this team for a while, I, I just remember that's exactly when there was any questions about Greg Hardy when they added him. Obviously, this is way different than that. But anytime there's been anybody with any question at all added, he goes immediately to, you know, we've been building this team for years with, you know, high character guys and, and, you know, good team leaders and things like that, that have given us a strong locker room. And so, you know, we feel like, you know, whatever, blah, 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 we can take that on because of that. So yeah, you know, maybe, maybe he's right in this situation, I'm, but I'm certainly not comparing uh, can Michael the, Bennett to Greg Hardy. That's for sure. Can the like 3% of my brain that might get consumed with trash TV or uh, juicy gossip weigh in just for one second? Go for <laughs> just, it. To, just to add a little, uh, just to add a little sex appeal to this podcast. Okay. We need some more of that, so go for it. I think there was a conversation behind closed doors with Witten, with Garrett, with Jerry, of course, you know, would know about it. But you think there was any type of talk at all on a bye week with Witten or Jason before doing this? Because that history is do you, unavoidable. Do you think Wit has to, like, give him the talk, like, when he gets in? You know, like, that's what I'm wondering, like... <laughs> Hey, it all starts in the this dirt. This is how we do it here. Yeah. <laughs> we it all starts in the dirt. That's exactly right. You, yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting cuz <laughs> in previous years before he retired, I'd say, yeah. But this year, man, like Witten has really gone out of his way to kind of step in the background and not take on as much of a leadership role because he didn't want to just come back and then all of a sudden be like, "Well, I'm back. Same role for me." Let me get hey, Zach, get out of here. That's my locker, you know? Like he really has tried to kind of lay back to the point where I heard Dak mention that uh, they like some of the younger team leaders reached out to Witten this past week before the Eagles game talking about how like they wanted a little bit more from him in that sense just because he'd been around the organization for so long and like you know hey we're on this three game losing streak like how do we get out of this you know kind of we want you to be uh, you know speak up a little bit more take on a little bit more leadership because Witten has gone out of his way not to do that and so I'm interested. I don't know necessarily if he was brought in, but, you know, obviously there was talks with, with, with Jason Garrett on if, you know, does this make sense? Should we do this? And, you know, maybe it's a move that Jason Garrett being in the last year of his deal, it's like, hey, yeah, no let's choice. go all in. Is this let's one of those this? cases, yeah. though, like, you know, Jason Garrett always likes to say at the same time, John, that they called called the coaches. They, you know, they, they did their research on the guy, you know, found out what kind of guy he was. They said that about Greg Hardy, too. Like right, but with this one, they'll just lean on on Richard. They'll he'll he'll talk about oh, yeah. the lean on yeah. Richard's time with him, and they'll talk about like what they saw uh, from him uh, with the Eagles and how you know he was so tough to block and and you know just you know great pass rusher all that. He'll, they'll lean on that more so just because they do have uh, some connections and familiarity with him. Man, I can't wait to find out what Jason Witten's fake nickname is on Pro Football Reference on our next podcast when we play the <laughs> Cowboys. Cowboys fake nickname game show along with the midseason awards. That's going to be one of the more explosive podcasts that we've done on about them Cowboys coming up next week. I can't wait for that. It's going to be good. The, the awards are, are going to be uh, outside the box. And yeah, you can find that um, on the main feed, on the iTunes feed. But if you want that reckless trade hypothetical episode, you're going to have to subscribe to The Athletic. That's a bonus exclusive episode that um, 
I think it's still relevant now. Like, this trade doesn't negate that episode, if that's what you were thinking when this trade went down and saw this episode pop up. Um, yeah, check that out still if you haven't listened to that. And can I also just say this? You know, uh, I've been uh, subscribed to The Athletic for a long time, and not just saying this because I, I work here, but it's also, this is a very good time of year, college football heating up, all these other NFL games are, are heating up. And then the NBA season just got started, and the hockey season's going on. We got you covered locally in the DFW, but whatever team you follow, if you're a Cowboy fan and follow someone else, the Athletic is a great way. Not it's not a I mean, it's more than a great way. It's the best way to to follow your local teams. It's just not just it, local. It's incredible. Yeah, you can if on you're a, in the Premier League and all that. Yeah, the subscription doesn't just get you our uh, our podcast. You know. You're not just paying for the bonus episodes of this podcast. You get every piece of content from The Athletic across the board, ad-free. And it's the best app that I've ever downloaded on my phone. And I'm speaking objectively about that. I think it's it's my favorite app experience. Like, I love using the app, uh, the iPhone app, the Android app. It's it's great. And um, so I would definitely suggest downloading the app and try try the free trial if you, uh, you want to. Yeah. You know, try that out on for size and, and there's no looking back really I, I haven't come back ever since my free trial um years ago before i even worked for the athletic so yeah relatively new website too yeah. you know the athletic you know st- still growing and it's just uh, incredible i mean i it was subscriber from near the beginning at least right when the dallas uh dallas fort worth chapter launched and like just to see the growth of it yeah over the year not only locally but nationally you're going holy cow yeah this is putting other places to to bed, and I'm not making a you know a, a joke about people losing their jobs across the board. I'm just saying it is legitimately the best thing there is the, uh, when it comes to uh, following sports. And then not I'm just saying yeah. this because I'm just I'm sitting on my couch, man. I got Thursday night football on. I'm being real with you guys. <laughs> This is just a damn good website. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um. Just to put that in perspective, KT, uh, I joined the audio team this past year, and you know, less than a year ago, I think we had less than ten total podcasts, and I think we're over a hundred and fifty at this point with that we've launched when it, across the board. And it's NBA, MLB, NFL, college football, fantasy football. We got uh, um, um, MMA if you're into that too and we just launched all our NH- mm-hmm. NHL uh, shows this past uh, season right when the puck dropped for this uh, 2019-20 NHL season so yeah definitely would suggest that if you want 40% off your annual subscription though it's uh, theathletic.com slash about them cowboys 40% off the regular rate that you'll get on the standard website if you just go and try to sign up and uh you want that 40% off rate. That's only exclusively on our link. So you got to use our link and get that 40% off. All right, all right, all right. This was good. So emergency podcasts yeah. are fun. You know, that means there's chaos in the world, and that's always good when that happens. This is a good chaos, though. I, I, th- I think – or do we all agree, all three of us, uh, real quick? Do we all – are we all two thumbs up on this trade? 100%. I didn't believe that they got him for a seventh-round pick. Um, yeah, and with the way they've defended the run – like against the Packers, for example, and I was watching Dalvin Cook run earlier tonight before we jumped on here, and they're going to need him against uh, the Vikings later. And so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, hundred percent in on this trade deadline like- t- Tuesday. Th- or sorry, John. Sorry, trade deadlines Tuesday at three p.m. Just want to get that out there. Sorry, I was just going to say I like the trade and I like chaos. Oh, is that Adam both in there? And speaking of chaos, Tuesday three p.m. trade deadline. There's more chaos for you right there, right? 
Uh, I saw a report that said Leonard, uh, Leonard Williams of the Jets is going to be uh, at least they're taking offers at least. Let me ask uh, you, uh, KT, how often do head player. coach trades go down in the NFL? <laughs> okay. <laughs> now here, can I tell this out here on this emergent podcast since the wheels have came off a little bit? Yeah. The other night at the athletic team dinner, I threw out this idea and you guys, okay, you guys might not have heard this part of the conversation. And this is the, this is where you get, get to be a great producer, Kent. And you can edit this out if it's too stupid. So <laughs> we were sitting there at the athletic team dinner. We're talking about, you know, Garrett and the future. And I said, you know what? A lot of people get caught up in legacy. Like, oh, winning, oh, winning is a legacy, right? At some point, isn't it kind of boring for just like winning to be your legacy? Like Jerry's legacy is going to be go on forever. But if Jerry really wanted to make a power move before, you know, after Garrett and really put a stamp on his career being one of the most memorable figures in the NFL, then he should hire one of two people. One would be Ron Washington, former Rangers manager. Okay. He could be the head coach walk around guy like Jason is and let the coordinators do their job. Right. Likeable guy. Good for the locker room. And two would be the Joker. I mean, just imagine for a minute, just imagine for a minute the Joker calling plays all painted up. Now, if this is too stupid, it's fine. But that is how you you cement your legacy. I'm the guy that hired the Joker to be the head coach. Which which Joker? Yeah, are we talking Joaquin or? The latest. Yeah, Joaquin. Like they complete a first. They complete a first down, and he's kind of dancing on the sideline like Joaquin was on that stairwell. I don't know, man. That that Joaquin character, I think, is a little too dangerous to have on the sidelines. <laughs> he uh, stabs the quarterback coach in the eye. Um, uh, you I know, hate just that I missed out on this conversation. Just uh, to touch on one, one thing about Michael Bennett that we didn't touch on <laughs> earlier. Um, yeah. Wasn't he a protest guy? Oh, yeah. Like a, That just interests yes. me, like... <laughs> Just from that perspective, that they would bring in bring in a guy that was so outspoken about that. Well, I mean, Ro- what that's going to be like. Robert Quinn was too. Robert Quinn was too. Yeah, right? but Michael Bennett's not Robert Quinn. Uh, you know, I Robert Robert Quinn didn't release a video with his brother of them just talking crap about every NFL player that they played with, and you know, um, that's true. No, no, yeah, Robert Quinn's very quiet about it. Right. You know? He's very quiet about it, so we'll see how that yeah. goes. Hopefully, we can get him on the podcast uh, to talk about every other team's quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, pull a Jalen Ramsey style style podcast with Michael Bennett. Talk about all the I'll bad work. offensive linemen it. he's gone up against. Who's the worst offensive lineman you've played against? He would answer it. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure he would too. I'm looking forward to the content we're going to get from oh, him. Yeah. And, and you know what? Cowboys got better today. The Cowboys. Who are in first place got better today. Um, so, well, guys, are anything else you guys want to hit? I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the the. Sub I'm just excited so about our award show. I got to get, I got to get my prep on for that. I got to get my tux ready. Yeah, I'll, I'll be texting you uh, all weekend, sir, with some with some ideas. John, you do your cowboy uh, nickname homework assignment, and if you want to dangle in some other, you know, big name players across the league who have weird nicknames, according to Pro Football Reference. Feel free to put them in there as well. I will, right. man. I'm. I really think we touched on just about everything here. We covered the trade. We covered the fortress. We covered Joker. Um, this is a solid pod right here. So what you sign up for with the subscription? You get more of I this behind the paywall. Yeah. 
I don't want it to cover up the great work we did this morning. So make sure you check that one out first too. Maybe you want to listen to them in order. I don't know. I'll, you know, uh, but if you're listening to this uh, and I'm telling you to listen to that one in order, that's probably bad because that means you've already listened to this one. So I'm an idiot. For John Mashoda, also known as Father John Mashoda. For Kent Garrison, I am Kevin Turner, and we will talk to you soon and next week or soon if there's another emergency podcast needed if the Cowboys want to make some more trades or maybe get a contract done with Dak or Amari oh that's uh next time on about them Cowboys